Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, you guys. It's great that you're back here with us. We've been obviously talking about all things value investing. Well, I hate to, I, I don't like that sound of that. Oh, I don't I like the sound of that. Very value much investing. like the sound of that. Uh, value investing is, a, is a, even Warren Buffett doesn't really love the idea of the name being value investing because he basically said, yeah, well, all investing is value investing. You know, it's like, True. how do you buy Apple computer as a value investor, right? It doesn't. Yeah, but that's what we, that's what's so interesting about it. I don't want to call it that. It's rule one investing. <laughs> rule one investing is such a better name for it because it focuses your attention on what is important about real investing. And that is not losing capital. No permanent loss of capital hmm. is what should happen to you if you're a good investor. So for example, if you put your money in a treasury note for you know 10 years, you shouldn't have a, at least a nominal loss of capital. And you could argue you're losing, you're losing money because of inflation. But if, apart from that, you're not going to lose your money because the government is going to be able to pay you. And the reason is, is they have a printing press and they can just print it. So you're not going to have a permanent loss of capital. On the other hand, if you put your money in Bitcoin, and this ought to raise some hackles, you could buy Bitcoin at $60,000 per coin and have it go to $2,000 per coin and never come back ever and suffer a permanent loss of capital. And the difference between investing versus putting money into Bitcoin is that if you invest in a good company, it will produce cash flow. And that company's cash flow has a value. And that value is permanent. It can't go away as long as it's producing real cash flow. And that's the difference between investments and speculation. Picassos could go up in, in, in price forever and ultimately be, you could look at it and go, wow, that was a really good investment. I bought it at 10 million, now it's 40 million. But there's no in, intrinsic value to a Picasso. It's just whatever the market wants to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas a really good investment has intrinsic value. It has, it is producing money and money has a value always. So that's a huge difference. And that's it's why a huge we difference. Look at things now let's say there was flow. a company that was producing intrinsic cash flow, mm -hmm. and yet another company had bought it with lots of debt attached to that purchase. Mm -hmm. Just as a hypothetical, I don't know where I came up with this idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you don't blue. know, go listen to our last podcast. Right. <laughs> How would one in this world of uh, true investing, not speculation. How would you think about um, that company that comes with a lot of debt? Because you said last time that we don't, we haven't ever talked about that because we just avoid companies that have a lot of debt. But it's a yep. really interesting, interesting thought process because you, I mean, constantly I run into companies that have 
huge amounts of debt. And right. and I think, you know, there are many ways of thinking about how to value that stuff. So first off, you'd look at this company really quickly and say, well, I mean, this is how I would do it. I'd look at this and I'd go, okay, do I understand the business? That means it's got to be simple enough and predictable enough for me to understand it. In order for it to be predictable, it needs to have a big moat. In other words, a big competitive advantage that it can sustain. It's got to have a good management team mm -hmm. and it's got to be on sale. Mm -hmm. So I got to figure out what the on sale, let's assume the first thing, first three are there. I got to figure out the on sale price. So I want to look at this. Now, the interesting thing about the way you asked that question is it raised in my mind this really interesting thing that happens to a good company. So you've got a really great company, has no debt. It has a ton of cash flow, big moat, great management team, and thus has become a target for acquisition. All right. So here comes along, comes a bigger player. And either with management's consent or in an unfriendly battle, they step in this acquisitive company. And this is your world. You're a merger acquisitions lawyer. They step in to acquire it. Yeah. And they decide to do that with a pile of debt. Mm -hmm. They're not going to put up their own cash. They're going to go out and borrow money from Citibank and Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo. Mm -hmm. And they're going to buy this business with this debt. Mm -hmm. And the, the debt is going to land in the company itself. Yeah. The new, the acquired company. Yes. Yeah. They were putting the obligation to Wells Fargo in the company. Yeah. Right. All right. So let's say this is a billion dollar company or rather it's a company we want to buy and um, we're going to pay, let's, let's say it's a 10, we're going to pay $10 billion for this company. Right. Okay. And so we, we get $5 billion of debt mm -hmm. and we, we then, load that debt into the company. Mm -hmm. Now, if this was a $10 billion company based on, let's say, the rules we would use, that would imply that the company had a billion dollars of owner earnings coming out of it, just for fun, let's just say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. And by the way, if that's a puzzle to you, go read Invested and understand owner earnings here. So it's a we got we got this billion dollars of owner earnings is money we could put in our pocket. And uh, the company that bought us valued that at 10 times, which is a 10 cap purchase price. So they got a pretty good bargain. Good deal. Mm -hmm. Really good deal. The company might be worth quite a lot more than that. And they used $5 billion of debt to, to make the deal happen. Okay. Very, so now- Very standard. This is actually pretty standard. Eh? This is not weird. Anything you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So now um, let's take the company public now that we've done this. And it's now available to be purchased in shares, in partial ownership. Um, how much should we value the business at? If we're a 10 cap investor, we want to buy it at a 10 cap. How much should we pay for this? Right? Right. That's your basic. That's the basic question here. And the answer might seem to be pretty obvious. Well, it's got a billion dollars of 
owner earnings, and we just did the math, it, it's 10 billion. But it isn't 10 billion anymore because something has happened here. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would look at it as it's still 10 billion. But a lot of people, well, I don't know. I think fewer people would look at it the way you're about to say. I am about to look at it differently. So I'm about to take the owner earnings and I am going to do the 10 cap on it for sure. And I'm going to come up with 10 billion. So that would be my starting point, just exactly like the company did that bought it in the first place. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Yes, 10 billion. Except you've now put on $5 billion of debt that I also owe and have to pay off out of my owner earnings mm-hmm. in the future, right? I got to take that billion I'm making every year and I got to—I can't put it in my pocket. I've got to spend it on your debt. I've got to take $5 billion instead of putting it in my pocket as the owner and pay off this debt, which means I didn't get the bargain I thought I got. So if I'm going to do this properly, the way I would do it is I would subtract the debt from the owner earnings. Now I'm going to make one more little tweak here. And that is the first thing I would do is I would look at, um, I'd get a little sophisticated and I'd say, okay, what kind of working capital these guys have to have to run their business? Mm -hmm. And let's say it's almost nothing. It's software or something. And then I would say, well, how much cash have you got sitting in the bank? And let's say they have almost nothing sitting in the bank in cash either, or it's just enough to do working capital. In which case I would use the entire 5 billion as the debt number. Now, if they happen to have, you know, $500 million of cash net after working capital, I would subtract that from the debt. And I would say they had $4.5 billion of net debt. And that's kind of what we just did last week with the Formula One guys. Yeah, because so in th- in in your sort of structuring, they could pay it off that amount off right now. They just yeah. choose not to. They just choose not to. But how right. much do you include then um, the servicing of the debt? How much do you look at like what interest rate is on that debt and how much they have to pay without having to pay the capital? Like that's a different way of looking at it. You know, you could just ignore the capital. And just look at, let's say it's an incredibly long loan. Okay. And they got it at an amazing price, right? Which, which we have right now. Like, let's say they're paying 3% or something or 2% mm-hmm. or one and a half, like crazy mm-hmm. numbers. I mean, companies have been taking on debt that historically have never taken on debt. Like Berkshire has taken on debt just because it's so not much, but just because it's cheap money. So cheap money and yeah, they're getting a cushion. Well, I would um, yeah, I'd ask you this. When we're looking at owner earnings, have we already accounted for the interest that we're paying? Yeah, I think we have. We have indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. Because owner earnings begins with net income. Yeah. And so then it's you already start paid backing out. Yeah. We've already paid the interest before we ever got to owner earnings. So okay. that plus Good the answer. notion that we've got ultimately must pay off the $5 billion somewhere. It's yeah. going to come out of my pocket. Can't avoid it. Even even ultimately, if I never pay it off and only pay the interest, which is your one speculative view, I never pay it off. When I sell the company, I have to pay it off or somebody's going to pay less than right, right, the full right. price I would get. So ultimately, just like when you buy a house, so ultimately the debt matters. You, you're going to 
Yeah. You're not going to collect that when you. It's really interesting. Uh, This is like such an interesting. I'm glad we're talking about this because like it's just making me realize really strongly the difference between a short term. I hate the word speculator, but a short term person in the market slash kind of investor and like a very, very long term investor, because somebody who's around for, let's say, longer than a typical um, quote unquote speculator type person, let's say they're planning to hold like a year or two, they still may not care about when that debt actually comes due, because let's say it's a 10 year loan or a 20 year loan or something. Um Whereas we do, like to us, that actually is going to come due in our, during our tenure as being well, part of that company. To your point that we need to value the business. That's why people call us Correct. investors. Correct. So we have to value the business. The speculator doesn't need to value the business. They What they're looking at is where will this be in a year? Yeah, right. In terms of its stock price, not with its value or anything else. Right, right. And so this is, is why, the market why, going up. Is this going to keep right. on its trajectory? Is right. it going to be a growth stock? <laughs> right, exactly. And I mean, if you can figure those things out, yes, you can make a fortune. As as you guys have all seen with the people who won on the GameStop, AMC, meme stocks, you know, if you get it on, you get on the right side of that, you can make a lot of money fast and you can leverage it using call options, which is another really interesting thing that these guys are doing um, and make really a ton of money. And you can also, anytime you use leverage, lose a lot of money. And a lot of people have lost a lot of money on those stocks. So on the, all of it, on all of it, uh, I yeah, was just thinking today, I was out on my little walk and I was just thinking, God, you know, you can be right about everything and still, well, we're trying not to lose money, but you can, you can lose money even though you're right. Like the stock price can go down if you're somebody uh, who's there for a short time. Well, that's, yes. And then you've, then you've lost and then you'll pull your money and out. You, but you can, and you can also be wrong and make money if you're yes. there for a short time. And so- yes. Like I was thinking about everybody who bought Tesla five years ago and all the value investors who were up in arms, frankly, including us about, and we did multiple episodes about what a dumb investment that is. And, you know, it, it, it was clear. And yet everybody who piled in there has made a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> and so... You can you can yes. be technically wrong and still make money. And I just think that's such an interesting component to this whole structure of what well, I think we're it's doing really, here. The, I love the name <laughs> meme stocks because, you know, Bitcoin is a meme. Ethereum's a meme. Um, they, these are all companies where there's an idea behind it that's driving the interest. And yeah. the idea is this is earth shaking. This is world changing yeah. stuff. And they're not right? wrong. They're not wrong. It is absolutely real world changing. Totally. I was talking with somebody yesterday about they were they were thinking short Tesla now that it's gone over a trillion dollars. And we just don't do that. We don't short these companies. Shorting, of course, is betting that it'll go down. Um, 
And of course, you could do that based on fundamentals. It could be, right? You could absolutely say it doesn't make any sense and it must go down. But one of the best short sellers in the world said just you don't short companies that are that are not fads. You can short a fad, you can short a fraud, and you can short a failure. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> that's uh oh gosh, this guy that's a really good China short seller. Oh. Jim Cron uh Chan- Chanos, Jim Chanos. Oh, okay. Very, very good short seller, but fads, frauds, the three Fs. You can fads, short frauds, 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 and, and failures. failures. Yeah, fads, <laughs> frauds, and failures. And the reason is because there's something at the root of the company that is will absolutely cause it to go to zero. If it's a fraud, it'll go to zero. If it's a failure, it'll go to zero. If it's a fad, it'll go to zero. So all three of these are really a strong indication that the company will go to zero. And yet there's great risk there because of memes. So for example, David Einhorn had an aggressive short on Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. And Green Mountain went down like a brick from about 100 to about 20 on the presentation that Einhorn made that they were fraudulent, that they were faking their numbers. Hmm. And nobody ever went to jail. And the, the big wave of sentiment went, you know, this is a meme, right? It, it all, the emotion went out of it. And then Coca-Cola stepped in and did a deal with them. Hmm. And they went back up to 100. Hmm. And the company, they make Couric, right? Wow. I mean, the company hasn't failed. It's continued to go on. So there's all sorts of reasons why it's got to go down, but it wasn't, it didn't turn out to be a fraud. It didn't turn out to be a failure. It didn't turn out to be a fad. And that was a bad short, ultimately a bad short. Hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another one that he did was real interesting. Shorting is dangerous. He did uh, St. Joe, St. Joe, which is this huge real estate uh, company down on the panhandle of Florida that owns like thousands and thousands of acres. And when the 2007 real estate collapse happened, um, Einhorn shorted this thing like crazy, thinking it would go to zero. And another really great investor named uh, uh, Bruce Berkowitz was long the company big time, mm. like 40, 50% in. Oh, jeez. Oh, huge. And he had gotten smoked. The stock went from 18 to $19 or 81 to $19, something like that. Oh. And Einhorn was sure it was going to go to zero based on accounting that they couldn't possibly make their 50, whatever it is, let's say $50 million a year of interest payments or something, and um, without selling off all the property given the huge collapse that had happened in Florida real estate. And it, it went along like that for 10 years, struggling, struggling, struggling. Wow. And then now real estate has come back in Florida. It didn't fail. And the thing took off straight up. Right. So it, shorting stuff is rife with problems. It, it, it really is. You're betting against the creativity and the energy and the hard work ethic of the people who run it. Uh, to figure out a solution to the problem. So I don't strongly recommend it. 
um, and shorting Tesla would be a nightmare. Uh, you've well, got it has been truly believe <laughs> it has it. been. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's one of those examples of of belief have had an excitement and whatever. I mean, you could argue it's a fad, a failure and a fraud and people have. But you can also say it's a tremendous movement that people have wanted to be part of and that has managed to raise the money just to bring it back to our uh, debt issue, managed to raise the money over and over and over through various means, including the stock market, to continually just barely meet what they needed to do. And it's extraordinary. It's an incredible success story. I love really every bit of it. I do too. And it's, um, it's, just, uh, it's just an example of, of it's so hard to predict these things. I mean, it, just, just remember, you guys, it, investing is like the way we define it has very kind of rigid rules to, yeah. to stay well, well within the parameters of not losing money. And, and, and we talked about in rule number one, and I think we did a bit in investors about just having a little bit of capital you can just wing it with to, to yeah. have investments in things like Tesla, mm-hmm. um, Bitcoin, what, you know, these are meme, meme stocks and world changing events. And they're really, if you see it, it's really great to be able to get some money into it. And you don't need to put a lot into it, right? You don't have to bet your future on it. Um, but it's great fun to be in there early and, and get it right. And you'll find that a lot of these, they don't work out, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be yeah. early stage, they don't work out. They don't quite have the Elon Musk at the wheel who won't, who simply won't fail and yeah. just won't allow himself to fail. Yeah. So, Unbelievable. And, 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 and the fact that we may not invest in it as a, as a long-term investor doesn't mean we're not rooting for them. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and, and what they're working for, which is changing the world and exactly. changing the, the, um, changing the stodgy boogers that run yeah. these American car companies. I mean, they're just stuck in a rut and it's so fun to have a guy come with that genius and the drive to, I mean, it's so impossible what he did and he did it. And now Hertz this week has announced they're buying 100,000 Teslas. No way. Yeah. Which means here comes every other car company too. Wow. Every other rental car company is going to be jumping in there. So, I mean, you do the math on that. It's billions of dollars. I think it's $6 billion of revenue. I know. It's like, oh my gosh. So of course, Tesla went over a trillion dollars the other day. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, things are, this is like so off topic, but things are so changing. Like now when I walk out on the street, Nuno is obsessed with getting an electric car. So he constantly is like pointing out, there's an electric car. There's an electric car. That one's from Audi. That one's from VW. Oh, that's the BMW electric car. There's the like Tesla. We don't point out because it's not as, you know, it's not as new at this point. So it's like, Oh they're, yeah, they're I, I just went to a I just went to a racing clinic. So this is a whole bunch of Porsche drivers in a room, right? Your uncle oh, Steve, yeah. Uncle uh, Steve was putting this on. By the way, they have a Porsche pop up in downtown Zurich, and I walked in a couple of weeks ago, and they have the Taycan, Taycan. Taycan. I don't know how yeah. you say it. Um, and that's what it's completely. The pop up shop is a hundred percent about that electric car. Nothing else. They oh. don't even care about the rest of them. They're selling their electric car. That's, I mean, honestly, it was so amazing. 
we're at this hotel in uh, outside of LA and the the Porsche guys show up, right? The dealer, the local oh, cool. Porsche dealer uh-huh. shows up with cars. Mm-hmm. They're electric cars. They open the they open the side doors of the room. So it was the, in, you know, how do you say open. it? Taycan? Take, I think it's Taycan. Maybe okay. it's Taycan. Taycan. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody the, said the it. Germans, the Deutsch. Uh, and I've driven I've driven one on a race course. I mean, they well, not the full race course, fun. but in a in a short race course. And oh my god, they really handle and they. You're in this sedanish kind of car, and man, I mean, you're talking zero to 60 and two point something. And yeah. it's just, and the new roadster we're off on a kick here, but I'm, I'm in totally. the Porsches. So the new roadster is supposed to do zero to 60 and 1.9. What's a road. You mean a Tesla roadster? Yeah. Tesla ah, roadster. I didn't even know they and still made that zero to a hundred. And I think under three seconds, it's just like wow. shot out of a cannon. And we were laughing about it because it was like your uncle Steve owned two at the same time two gt3 rs porsches which are these you know really at that point the best baddest ass porsche you could get and still drive it on the street right yeah next level up you're you're on the track yeah and steve had them in his garage and never drove them around because how what are you gonna do with it <laughs> just, he drove it he didn't drive it much Oh. Not only that, but all the Fast and the Furious types in Orange County, California, would come up to him and try to race. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> you can see your Uncle Steve. <laughs> like, oh, no. And, of course, it's a lime green GT3 RS. <laughs> it's like, of course they're going to come up. You're on a lime green GT3 RS. Okay. But that has nothing to do with anything, but it's It fun. does, because the, the, who's going to buy the take on it? It's going to be the same people, the same people who want a really showy car, because- there's but it's not no that point. showy. It's it's just it's the, just the new like... one is going. I'm oh, sorry, the take on. I'm talking about the Roadster. Oh, the Roadster. I think is going to be showy. I forget exactly what the that look one is. will be. That's a little two seater. It's meant to be like a racy car, but the Taycan is not that showy, and it looks like no, a it's like a family sedan. I don't. It's not really my favorite. Yeah, but. They're no, the selling roads, the it like at this is... pop-up. Their whole thing is to try to get people to get over their range hesitation or no, no range anxiety. That's what they call it. And I was like, Oh, you're talking to me. Cause I'm the one that has the range anxiety in this family. So she, but she had, she, they got a whole spiel for that. So she was like, well, you guys should rent the take on for the weekend. Take it, take it for a week. We'll rent it to you. Just call this person and you can see oh that it goes, God. you know, 600 kilometers or whatever the range was. And of course, Nuno's like, that's enough to get to like the bottom of Italy or something. <laughs> I don't know. It apparently well, is very far. Okay. Check this out. The, Italy. So, the new um, Roadster is absolutely the, stunning, by the way. Okay. Finish Dad, nobody thought. cares about the Roadster. It's, I do. I know, but nobody else does. <laughs> they will. They will. <laughs> it is the world's. I think the the point, oh, wow. The point here is that electric cars are here to stay and they are not only here to stay, they are being actively pushed now by many, many, by all the big car companies and trying to get people to like adopt, (laughs) get over their worries like mine and, (laughs) and adopt this technology. Um, it's just so different than a few years ago. I don't know how we ended up talking about 
electric cars well, after. I don't either, but the debt the, discussion. A couple of things I know some of you are interested in about the Roadster. Okay, okay, okay. Are that number one, it doesn't look like a family car at all. It looks no, like No, it never did. I remember the, the Roadster. No, this is different. Dad, the Roadster was Tesla's very first car. Te yeah, that was this one doesn't how... look like that one. It doesn't? Okay. No. This looks like a rocket ship. It goes zero to 100. I was wrong. It's in 4.2. If you've ever done any racing on a, tr on a uh, drag strip, you would know that a 8.8 second time <laughs> is absurd. I mean, the only cars that could do that are just pure dragster cars. This car goes, check this out, Danielle, 250 miles an hour. Oh my God. 250. Okay. Now you haven't heard the best part yet. You ready? Has a range of 620 miles. Wow. That's incredibly far. You're not going to do that at 250 miles an hour, but. Uh, it looks a lot miles. like the old one, just like updated. Well, yeah. I'm looking at it now. I'm seriously interested. But just, to get, just to get back to like an investing discussion, I find Tesla <laughs> so impressive because just to like complete the loop here that they've hook by hook and crook have gotten themselves into this position. The way that Elon Musk started that company coming out with a completely 100% impractical, ridiculous car, which was the right. Roadster, right. just to get attention and to get like gearheads who are into fast cars realize that you could have a cool electric car. It's well, like I think he just did it again. Yeah. Just about the time everybody's going to come and compete with his normal car. Right. right. He's up the ante beyond belief. Right. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I, if I own this car, I'd put a set of slicks on it and I would see how fast I could go around road Atlanta in it. That's what I'd use it for. <laughs> so you'd use it twice and then you'd sell it <laughs> i'm not kidding no it would be it would be so scary because you could be going so fast it's got a mile and a half straight away this thing gets to 60 in 1.9 seconds i think you might be at 250 miles an hour at the end of that straightaway yeah you That's might crazy. richard hammond your way right off that track and Oh, I'm think, sure I could find a wall. I don't think we need any of that. Yeah. And I don't know anybody in insurance. That'd be a $250,000 bad mistake. Okay. Well, probably I won't do that. <laughs> and I'm sure anybody, anybody that likes listening to our podcast will be glad that I didn't do it. <laughs> oh my God. That sounds like a macho car for real. Well, so, so that's before a huge we go way off, let's, uh, let's, let's close here. <laughs> Wait, back to the 10 cap. Let me summarize the 10 cap. Please thing. summarize the 10 cap. Okay. So first off, go go do the 10 cap the way we teach you to, teach you to do it. And then if this company- Check out Invested has, for that. Yep. If this company has cash and debt, then figure out working capital, like give them some cash for working capital, subtract what's left from the debt, subtract the cash from the debt, you get net debt. And then subtract that from your 10 cap price hmm. to get your new 10 cap price. Hmm. And there you go. And that'll be buying the thing at a reasonable price. So there we go. Okay. So you basically easy just peasy. calculate it or subtract it into the yeah. value. Just, I like that. You just calculate you it. You just calculate it. Yeah. 
<laughs> math, math made it's easy. It's a millennial. How do you do the math? Uh, you put it into the computer and you calculate it. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> easy. All right. Until you know, next time, I I'm going to calculate my way through the day. But I used to sit in the classes and say, why do I need to know this? I can just do it on a calculator. And the teachers would say, are you going to carry a calculator around in your pocket all the time? And I'd be like, fine. Well, I don't know what the teachers are saying these days. <laughs> I don't know what they're saying either. Everyone has a calculator in their pocket. Exactly. Everyone. All right. Oh, Thanks, so cool. everybody. All right, honey. Great seeing you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.